sitting on a bench high up here in Bluffers Park overlooking uh, Lake Ontario. A little bit of a breeze, but a lovely day. It is the first day of spring, and uh, I absolutely had to get out to uh, celebrate. So what would that be, March 20th, 2022, or is it the 21st? Never sure. The 20th, yeah. Um, It's lovely. A lot of people out. Uh, just enjoying the fresh air, snow has melted, and uh, it's great to be alive. Well, for most, well, for a lot of people, <laughs> uh, I'm one of them. I knew enough to get out of the vehicle and uh, take a walk first before uh, starting to record. And of course, it does change everything. Uh, as you know, these aren't scripted, so, and, you know, sometimes I make notes, ooh, you got to talk about the F1 race today, so let's get that out of the way, let's do the F1. Um, thanks to the kindness and generosity of a friend, and I'm going to keep this, uh, well, it's too late to keep it quiet, but I'm not going to say any more than that, a very kind friend who is who's done a number of favors for me in the past has done another one, and I can now watch... Formula One races on my uh, MacBook Air. And today, first race of the new 2022 season in Bahrain. What a race. What a treat. Uh, and an ending that I absolutely am so happy with. Uh, first of all, in the top 10 cars, a lot of other teams you don't normally see. Um, Alfa Torre, Alfa Romeo, I think was in their Haas racing team. And uh, it's just not dominated by the usual ones. Uh, Red Bull had no points. Both their cars crapped out at the end. Uh, and I don't have a problem with that. Uh, Verstappen won his championship. I'm happy with that. I don't care if he wins another one. Um, and, of course, that made an exciting end to the season. You know, they were the uh, and, and so the beginning of this season started with controversy about how they've made the changes the open discussion, when you watch the Saturday show, the uh, races, a lot of discussion about the rule changes and how controversial that was to uh, to rob uh, Hamilton of the chance to get an eighth world championship. Uh, but it's done. It's buried. They've made changes. They have a new system. It's probably going to be a little better. And uh, also a lot of time spent on the new design of the cars, and they are quite different. Um, and so that, that was, it's great fun. And, uh, anyway, Ferrari first and second and Ferrari has been, uh, down for a long time now and to have them win first and second place Verstappen was going to get second and his car just crapped out right near the end. And, um, so nothing for Red Bull. And of course, uh, one of my favorite drivers, uh, Lewis Hamilton in third so podium for him right off the bat so anyway that's a great way to start the season so let's park that thank you my friend you know who you are and i know you're listening um 
Where else? I went from there to well, the music. I I I know I've said it before, and I'm going to have to just say it once more time. The one of the great pleasures in life is having your music on the small portable device. And I'm going back to Japan when I had my first portable Iwa cassette tape player when Nelk and I had our uh, elope to Sato Island. And I had the splitter, and so we could have earbuds for each of us listening to uh, Abbey Road on cassette tape and uh, other fine tunes. So we're talking about that enjoyment of portable audio. Um, But anyway, I've got uh, a couple of old... um, iPhones that weren't worth trying to sell and loaded them up with either podcasts or tunes and it's just so nice to have it on shuffle when they're all your tunes you're not getting somebody else's suggested playlist and of course some of the music might have been given to me by either of my sons but I mean, when I went for the walk last week, I was listening to Ween, and I hadn't heard Ween for so long. And Ween is crazy, but sometimes you're just in the mood to hear Ween, some stupid, crazy song. And thinking, holy shit, this is funny, and this is good, too. But the stereo effect, you know? So I set out on my walk today thinking, okay, I'm going to do the same, just put on shuffle, and uh, suddenly I'm hearing Al Stewart. Now, I'm almost willing to bet money that... Nobody listening to this podcast, and of course I'm, I've got to be wrong on that, but I was going to say nobody knows who Al Stewart is, or let's narrow it down, nobody has heard Past, Present, and Future, the album by Al Stewart that I have, and it didn't go on shuffle. It's playing through all the Al Stewart, the entire album, and I was just, by the time I stopped to start talking to you, I was just holding back tears. They're they're all ballads, like there's one called Roads to Moscow, seen from the point of view of a German soldier going through the horror of trying to march to Moscow at the war and just being, you know, the suffering, and then being taken prisoner and marched off, uh, knowing he'll never return home. And um, another one, Old Admirals, talking about the, you know, the British Navy and how there's nothing sadder than an old admiral who feels the breeze but can't be put to sea or stuff like that. But all, like, you hear every word and there's beautiful, like, classical arrangements in the background for the music. And you're getting this left and right separation, these channels. Just one of the great pleasures of modern civilization. Wow. A little device that has top quality sound and you can hear it through these stereo earbuds. Oh my God. So that's just pure happiness for me. And especially when I'm out for a walk on a nice day like this. Ah, Okay. Now I didn't even check on the list. There was something a little heavier I was going to get into. And I don't know, I'm kind of almost too happy to to do that now. Let me just see. All right, Dixon James... 888. Oh, this is episode 888. Why not have a happy one? Yes, indeed. I was thinking it was a big deal, but uh, it's just a number, but eh, kind of a neat number. Drew Talbert. I just wanted, I made a note of that name. I love, he does the um, the little spoofs on servers in restaurants and, you know, crazy customers. And he has all the characters. He does, he has several characters 
as waiters and cooks and so on, as well as the customers. And he, he's sort of in drag as, as women. Well, he's heavily bearded. And um, they're just brilliant. They're just really wonderful. And he always gives a shout-out to his wife, who's the creative partner and probably does some of the skits and the writing and so on. Uh, but they're just fun. And it's just nice to have somebody... It will make you laugh. And somebody who's, you know, it's just, they're funny. And they're just short, like a minute. It's not going to take a whole lot of your time. You're just watching this clip and there's, you know, either a punchline or just some craziness. Anyway, shout out to Drew Talbert. Um, And I guess kind of that's it. You know, I mean, there are pizza snobs out there. And that's good, you know, and I know I, I didn't listen to the latest with, uh, I'm not a Star Trek fan and I'm going to have trouble getting through the whole series <coughs> that uh, our wonderful fan Oliver Rockslide is doing on Star Trek. Um, he, he was a guy who is an authority on a lot of things um, in entertainment and I don't know the shows. Like I, I was, I was never. You know, it was on sometimes in the background. Probably, you know, first time around wouldn't have been something our family watched. Um, I've instead switched to mornings. I record um, the Andrew Giffis show. <laughs> shows what I know. People are talking Star Trek. I'm talking Andy Griffith and uh, Barney in particular. Um, they had they had jug band music on and. It, Floyd the Barber, my favorite. Floyd the Barber, what a character. Never mind Goober and the rest of them, or Otis, but Floyd the Barber, oh, brilliant. And it's just like uh, Stephen Leacock's Sunshine Sketches of a Little Town. It's just that gentle, funny, poking fun at people, but not in a nasty, harmful way. Always a little more. I, I'm not fond of Aunt B. Anyway, you see, there, you start, I start with Star Trek. And end up on the Andrew Giffis show. Um, because that's, you know, that's the television that was familiar to me. Um, so anyway, I, why did I even get on it? Oh, Pete, some people are snobs. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, but I understand that um, uh, Doug and Oliver talked a lot about Windsor pizzas. And I know when I went to Windsor and they ordered one for me, it was it was the best I've ever had. It was incredible. It was really good. I couldn't even describe it to you because I just ate it. But uh, by God, it was good. Uh, last night I ordered Pizza Pizza. Now, for us, that's just simple. I mean, this is a franchise. It's a chain. Oh, my God, Ken, that's not pizza. Well, yes, it is. I order it online. $20 gets me an extra large pizza and three pops. And three toppings. Uh, I had mushrooms, uh, New York pepperoni, and uh, sun-dried tomatoes. And the topping there, they do a little drizzle, if you want, on the end, some Italian seasoning. And it was really, really tasty. You know, so there you go. That's all. I don't know why I had to mention that. Just to, you know, hey, I'm a commoner. That's okay. (sighs) It was my wife's order anyway. I mean, she said, we need pizza. Um, she eats healthy. She eats mostly soups a lot of the time. And so she just wanted some fattening food on the weekend. Uh, that reminds you, i got to get donuts too. Okay, so there we go. 11 minutes and uh, I haven't really got into it. What, a, another friend. I have lots of friends out there. It's quite wonderful. Oh, by the way, all right, before I forget, um, the spring edition 
of the Dixon Jane zine will be coming out this spring. And I'm still waiting for some articles. A few people have promised a few more. I've got some of them. Thank you to you folks who've uh, put them in. Again, speaking of Oliver Rockslide, he has written a wonderful piece. I think you'll all find it interesting. I'll have to read it a second and possibly a third time to fully digest it. Um, Because this man knows his music. And he's opinionated. This is the thing. Oliver is opinionated. And boy, if you like opinions, he's your go-to guy. Um, so that's coming up. But if you're listening to this and you haven't yet sent something in, like somebody today said, oh, look, Ken, I'm really busy, but I'm going to send in this recipe I sent to a friend last week. And it was a very funny recipe. And I said, great, that's all I needed. You know, I told people, send in poetry, send in a joke, send in anything. But just get your name in there, contribute to this little experiment of this collective zine that will be shared digitally just to the people who, uh, you know, are trustworthy. It's not going out to the federal penitentiary system or anything else. (sighs) All right, so I think I'm going to leave it there, and I might top this off. Uh, Is that really all I want to go? No, I was talking about this friend who sent me a very kind of heartwarming text, said some nice things about me, and... I was very moved, very touched, and very grateful. Where do I want to go with this? It it was one of those things, and occasionally I'll get these things, feedback from the Dixon Janes podcast, with just a little bit of encouragement. Keep going. Appreciate your honesty, your integrity, your authenticity. Keep going. Keep doing it. Don't hold back. It's it's it has validity. And boy, those things, they mean a lot. And I know that the tie-in is because I last time I think I was talking a little bit about it. I, I said I wouldn't get into it, but it was about my ADD, adult ADD. And how um, it, it was a a thing. I mean, one, of, one of the, you don't have all the treats, but you'll have some of them. But one of the things that went with it was low self-esteem. I thought, what, what's that mean? Some people think I'm just so full of myself. I'm just all self-esteem. And that's not true at all. I really, it, and it's, it's, it's been with me all my life. I, the one example I can give, uh, when I, just before I went over to Cuso, we had an orientation in Ottawa and they had a doctor and you could see this doctor before he went, if you had any concerns. And, um, this doctor said to me, I can, I can get you to stop biting. I was worried about biting my nails and I was going to get an infection because it's all, they're always raw. And, you know, I bite the skin around the fingers and so on. And he said, well, come, come and see me tonight. And um, there was a lecture. And at the end of the lecture, he was on stage. And I should have just walked up to him and said, you were going to tell me the secret to how I could stop biting my nails. And he was. I, I've told this story before. But anyway... Um, there were some other people with him who were doctors going over to West Africa. And my feeling was, well, I, I'm, I'm only going as a teacher and I'm not even that. I can't go and stand there and interrupt and be with these doctors. It was just a bit of low self-esteem. I'm not equal to them. And I do this a lot in my life. I'm constantly comparing and it's ridiculous and it's bad and it's wrong and it's stupid. 
but I do it. Somebody will post something on Facebook, and I'll see it, and, you know. And I know I'm guilty because I'll, I'll only post the best things on Facebook, the nicest pictures. I just posted one of myself here in uh, in um, Bluffers Park, and I made sure I looked really nice. Oh, that's a nice picture of Ken. He's a nice guy. I like Ken. So, uh, I mean, I'm guilty of, you know, being the kind of person that um, I'm bothered by. Now... Let's tie these threads together. This low self-esteem as a possible trait, and it's it's been with me, and it's it's defined the work I've done, how I've done. I mean, I've been very good at things, but I've always felt, well, not as good as that person, or not quite good enough, or not up to that level of good. And it's crazy. And, and my life would have been quite different if I had had a better sense of opinion of myself. My family, being English, and my mother in particular, we were always taught you should never brag about yourself. Like, that was just the wrong. And anybody who talked about their children getting straight A's or any child who was a little bit pretentious, this was just, this was just a bad thing. This was, they were not brought up well. This is not the British way. You know, you, you just be quiet about your achievements and, and uh, carry on, but you don't, uh, you don't make a big deal. You don't show off in any way. And we certainly didn't do that, none of us. We, uh, we knew our place. Um, I wrote a letter to a friend the other day, and this is what, this is the, this will be the final piece to sew it all together. And I hadn't heard from the friend for quite a while. And so immediately I thought, oh, he's angry at me. This is, the, this is the jump to, you know, I've done something wrong. The person's angry or they think poorly of me. And this is a person who I'd actually shared my books of letters with. And I thought, oh, dear, he's read the letters. He knows what a um, scoundrel is too good a word. He knows what a, a, an immoral man I am. And uh, wants nothing more to do with me. And when I wrote the little reply in an email to him, I went on about how you may see, something along the lines of you may see me as that guy from the other side of the tracks, the kind of guy your mother wouldn't want you to play with. Now, I have no idea why I felt it necessary to put that in, but it was like a defense mechanism, like, hmm. Of course you don't like me. Uh, you know, you're you're a better person. And it happened. This person has had a very good career and is very bright and is lives in a beautiful house and is doing all the right things. So if you if you have a measuring scale, which is the wrong thing to do, but I'm afraid I do that, he would just be on a higher level than me. And hence, you know, well, that's why he didn't want to be in touch. Of course, later that evening, I got a very nice reply back from, good to hear from you, thanks for writing, blah, 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 nothing, not even alluding to the fact that I was a kid from the wrong side of the tracks, which I wasn't, but, you know. So I have a lot of sorting out to do. I still have a lot of straightening out. I haven't even touched on what I'd really like to talk about, and I think I was probably encouraged by this person to talk about, and that is my relation with my sons. I have so much yet to learn from both of them, if only I can be open to it. Because believe me, I, um, I, I, my defenses get up. I just... You know, I, I can turn myself into a stone, like a cold, you know, impenetrable stone. And then I 
will think back to all this podcasting I'm doing. Really, that's a way of isolating myself from, from people. You'd think it's me reaching out into the world and joining people. But in fact, it's a way of keeping myself at a distance, which is a little weird an observation to make. But it might be true because I'm thinking about my father and his ham radio. The father, I would, you know, go into the room and you'd see the back of his head and the earbuds on and his hand on his uh, Morse code key talking to somebody. And um, that was his world. That was a world we couldn't enter. And so is my podcasting sort of a similar thing. Have I, have I isolated myself from my own sons? And I think I have to some degree. And I'm, I'm, I feel bad about that. I'm embarrassed about it. I'm, it's just, ooh. And then I go and do that thing I just told you about. I'll compare myself to a friend. Oh, look at Brian. Brian's always out drinking with his sons all the time. Brian's traveled with all his sons. Brian has gone all over the world with him. Brian is with his kids. His kids love having him around. Well, I haven't done too much of that. Now, mind you, I've traveled across the country to Vancouver and back with both my sons, and the Maritimes as well. So I have done those things. But, you know, when you're comparing, you always put yourself in the lower position. So I think I've said enough. I think I got my point across. That's an opening anyway, and whether I'll, you know, take that Band-Aid off and uh, go a little deeper into this, poke around in that scar a little more, or just leave it at that for now, I don't know. All I know is I have to continue my walk. Oh, my God, there's so many people out here. I much prefer it when there's not many people. But uh, it is a beautiful day to be sitting by the shores of Lake Ontario. Scarborough Dude signing out from Bluffers Park. Take care, boys and girls, and uh, you know, reflect on your own life when you got a when you got a moment. <laughs> Bye for now. Ding, ding. Give me that tea.
I've got it on high sensitivity uh, by mistake. But it's nice that you can hear the birds. So uh, I'll leave it at this. Instead of holding this up to my mouth, I'm talking from a distance of about two feet. Hope it's okay. Uh, Thompson Park. Three in the afternoon on a, an overcast day. But it's not raining. And uh, I'm just going to share a few more thoughts with you. I was listening to uh, Kenneth again, our uh, hiker. And... Um, I realized, boy, how similar our styles are. I mean, he's doing something completely different. He's marching across the continent. Uh, I'm sitting on an old man's bench. (laughs) But a lot of it is, uh, in his case, uh, reflecting and, uh, you know, organizing his thoughts. uh, What's coming up, what he did, what's coming up next. And, And largely that's what I do, too. I think that's what a personal journal is about anyway. Uh, and it may or may not be interesting to other people, but it can be, I think, in the sense of you, you do get to see how somebody else's mind works, you know. Um, anyway, I'm just going to motor on. Um, that little noise you heard was a text from my buddy Bruce in uh, Vancouver. He's um, been having a tough couple of days. Our friend Glenn passed away. Now, I've talked about Glenn on this podcast before and um, said he was the, um, the fellow who's, you know, been putting up a, at least a two-year fight with cancer. And he's been in a hospice, I guess, for the past week or two, um, a lot of drugs to uh, take care of the pain. And so sort of in and out of consciousness at times, but... Uh, Bruce got to see him, and our, our good friend Rod got to see him. And these these are people who go way back, knowing Glenn much longer than I did. And that was kind of important. And everybody knew the ending was coming. And uh, so we've lost another member of our tribe. I'm going to write about him, or I've already started, for the uh, spring Dixon Jane zine. Because... Um, my connection to this whole tribe is really through Glenn. I didn't realize that till I started putting it together. And it was around his water pipe where so many of us just became as a group. And then we just migrated after university all out to Vancouver and regrouped there. But So anybody who listens or reads the uh, Dixon Jane zine will learn a little more about our dear friend Glenn. Um, sad to lose any friend. Uh... In Glenn's case, uh, I think it was an end to the pain and the suffering. But uh, he handled it bravely, and uh, that's that's quite wonderful what he did. So I, I'm not going to say too much more. <sighs> two people described him, two friends, as uh, effervescent, and the other one as vibrant. And both those words are perfect. Like Glenn had an energy of his own um, he claimed he was born a twin and the other one died and, and sort of always, I don't know, somehow Glenn got the energy. I don't I don't know. I, you know, it was a lot of weird things about well, the whole family. It was a, a wonderful family who really um, 
change things up. You, you've read anybody who's read my books will have read about Deb and Glenn, the same family, brother and sister. But Glenn had this energy and, and uh, was just was just animated, was just alive. And uh, when you went to Glenn, you, you knew something was going to happen. You didn't know what, something crazy, and and there was just excitement. And and that's uh, that's wonderful. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of pretty fucking boring people who have uh, negative energy. Uh, Glenn was just uh, was just fun. Okay. Um, news on the news front. Um, kind of a, a big story in Canada. The uh, NDP party, it's our new Democratic Party, left-leaning, supposedly pro-union. Although unions are disappointed, they're not left enough. Uh, anyway, and our Liberal Party, which is left-leaning compared to the right-wing conservatives, um, have decided they're going to work together. They formed a working relationship, a working, what did they call it, uh, some kind of a working agreement uh, to stay in power. And the NDP, who only, who has a few seats, so combined they have a majority. If you combine the NDP and the Liberals, they have a majority in Parliament, so it means they can pass anything they want. If they work together and the NDP said, well, you're, we're going to put forward things that we care about, pharmacare, especially for seniors, uh, dental care for um, children, and, uh, you know, more affordable housing and things that are on their agenda. They wouldn't have a chance of forming a government. So the strategic decision was, well, if we work with the Liberals, we can keep pressure on them uh, to put things that, you know, we have in common. So I I'm, I kind of like it. I think it's a, a great idea. A lot of people question the strategy and so on. But anyway, it keeps them in power till about 2025 if, uh, if both sides agree. And um, so that could be a good thing to save a lot of money in elections and uh, and keep the fucking conservatives. The conservative party became really, went really far right with some crazies, you know, uh, thanks to Alberta, I believe. Uh, and, that, you know, right-thinking people, I should say left-thinking people, <laughs> um, just don't want them in power in Canada. So while a lot of the world is sort of moving to the right out of fear and, uh, you know, distrust of everybody, uh, we're not. And uh, so that's kind of good news. Uh, today, five years ago today, I was uh, in Key West, Florida. I had made that drive and made that final trip down the causeway all the way to mile zero. I, there was a picture on Facebook I didn't bother to repost, but it reminded me about my road trek and how I need to get out. So uh, today I decided it was time to uh, think about, do I need new tires? They, they say a rule of thumb is between five and seven years, and I see the tires I've got were bought in August 2016. It is now... Uh, March 2022, so that's uh, coming on six years this summer. So I could probably get through this summer, and in the fall, if I make a long trip in the fall, maybe get them, or why, if I'm not going to use the road trick in the winter, uh, not not why not um, wait until next spring? So we'll see on that. I, I'm, it, it's, a, it's a question of money, and, uh, you know, it's a big expense for big tires, 
um, time to get it dewinterized so I can actually, you know, drain out the, um, the, um, you know, the fluid that keeps things from, what do you call it, the antifreeze out of the water line so that I can uh, have fresh water put in and uh, use it properly, flush the toilet, etc. Run, run the hot water in the sink. So I'll probably book that pretty soon now. I don't think we'll be getting any more freezing temperatures. Um, I see I have a, a topic I don't really want to talk about, but I'm, I feel hypocritical not bringing it up. There is, um, Canada and, you know, Western Europe have opened their doors to, uh, Ukraine over this, the war, the Russian invasion. And, uh, so they're in Poland and they're in other places, um, and people are, you know, offering them their housing and meeting them. And they hear they're coming with their strollers and their pets and their children. You know, the men are staying behind, but the women are being uh, welcomed. And Canada has rolled out the welcome mat and will fast, you know, forward processing the you know, the, the people coming over as refugees from the Ukraine and uh, make it easier for them to get jobs. And we have a very large Ukrainian population, probably one of the largest in the world outside of the Ukraine. <coughs> outside of Ukraine. Um, and so, you know, we're good with that. But, of course, there had to be a demonstration uh, accusing people, well, that's because they're white. And what about all these refugees from Somalia and other parts of Africa? Who are waiting to get in? So, a showdown accusing the world, but uh, Canada in particular, of racism. And I kind of, I think I turned the TV off. And I guess I feel almost obliged to say, oh God, what, what am I going to say? It, it's in these days of political correctness. I know I'm supposed to say, oh, yeah, right, treat everybody the same. But I can say, ooh, it's so hard. It's not the same. These people coming from the Ukraine will fit in. And, and the alarm bells, I hear the screaming in the background, because they're white, because they're white. But it's not skin color, per se. It is values and the fitting in. Uh, how quickly they learn the language, how familiar they are with our system of democracy and Western values. It's an easy fit. They will adapt very easily. And that isn't true of all the people coming from other parts of the world, in particular Africa, in particular Somalia, who have had a very difficult time here. And again, people say, well, they're having a difficult time because they're racist, just like you, dude. <laughs> that is the proverbial can of worms. Um, and I, I guess I've done this deliberately to say what I really feel as opposed to, you know, either not covering it at all, but secretly harboring saying, okay, I'm okay with us making it easier. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm okay with us making it easier to welcome people from Ukraine. And I don't think these complete openness and ease should necessarily apply to all countries. 
And the fact is, some of the other countries where it wouldn't be so easy will happen to be people who, again, if we go to skin color, might be black, uh, might be of a different religion, and um, have a history in Canada of having more problems, a, a disbelief of the police, um, of having a harder time fitting in. Boy, oh boy, why did I do this? Um, I guess I'm just, I guess I'm owning up to some racism. I guess that's what it comes down to, because if you want to call it that, and people will, I mean, that's what this whole parade was about. You know, this is racist. You're treating the people from Ukraine different from the people from, and I'll keep using the example, Somalia. And I'm saying, yes, sometimes countries run their systems on issue on, on considerations that are just more practical. I, I thought back to, I'm just trying to think of how can I defend this, and I thought back to the time in Nigeria when if I had to do something at the bank, like cash a check, if I went into the bank, I remember going in on a, on a, on a military payday, almost all the soldiers were illiterate. They could only do their banking by thumbprints. Nobody in Nigeria understands the concept of lining up in a queue to wait. It's just a matter of pushing and shoving and waving your hands and making a lot of noise. And you walk into a room full of soldiers and you realize, wow, there's not even a place to stand up in a queue because there are, there's no such thing. And you're kind of hoping somebody behind the counter is going to see, oh, there's a, a tall, a white man in the bank, the only one in the whole bank. Let's let's get him. It happened in my post uh, post office when there's another lineup, and George, the mailman who knew me, made it very clear: this man is here to help our children. Let him go first. And I didn't feel bad about having that privilege. I thought, yeah, I don't want to stand behind this this line. Um, the other day, I podcast from <laughs> the post office, and I said I was in the line. And very, very impatient. But at that point, and it was a multicultural line because it was Scarborough. At that point, I didn't feel any sense of privilege. Why can't I go first? No, no, no. I'm just another person here. In Nigeria, it was a little different. So I don't know how that works. I just have the feeling there's probably a lot of people who have similar ideas to mine, but wouldn't would be would not necessarily want to express them. Um, it's it's like a, a ship going down, and you think, okay, is it, if there's a queue, we, we can save the women and children. We can we can if we, everybody follows the lines. But I know, depending on where that ship is sailing from and who's who are the passengers, some people will follow the guidelines, some people will not. And uh, you can sort of draw your own conclusions from there. Who's not going to? Um, it's like drive to your local um, parking lot or the go station waiting to pick somebody up. Uh, some people will have their windows open and the radio on as loud as possible, and some won't. This is sometimes a cultural decision and so on, and it's a matter of do you need to consider other people's uh, comfort or, or don't you? So it's... 
I think this is sort of, I, I think, believe it or not, I think this is sort of this this line I'm getting at between my two sons in terms of one may be expressing values that are considered by a lot of people the right values, and the other one may be considered expressing values that would not be considered politically correct. And I said, I'm trying to listen and understand both, but it means finding out what are my real feelings, what do I really think. So this that's what this was that's what this was an attempt to be and oh my god um you draw your own conclusions I, I I wish there was a nice little cap I could put on this story but uh but there isn't but I made a note what what did the note actually say racism refugee Neil you agree yeah yep nope that's the best I can do um I think it'll be an easier easier welcoming Ukrainians into Canada with less trouble than just saying, okay, everybody is equal and it's a matter of when you apply them, we're going to do it in the order to be fair, we're just doing it in the order and if you applied five years ago, you're first and the Ukrainians will just have to wait at the end of the line and I'm saying no however you want to call it let them jump the queue that's it. Maybe I should call this episode Jumping the Queue. Jump the Queue. Fuck you, jump the queue. Scarborough Dude signing out. I'm trying to be honest, and I think that's the thing I'm appreciating about Kenneth. Boy, if he doesn't like a tent, he'll let you know. Thank God he got a new one. Um, and um, so maybe I'm being inspired by him to try and be a little more honest. If I want to take a ship without toilet paper and uh, use a bidet system... Well, you'll hear about it, but uh, no, I'm not going to go that way. No, 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 leave that with Kenneth. Scabbard Dude signing off. Bye for now. Just one bell. I'm inside the uh, Toyota today at Bluffers Park, yes. And, um, oh, I see they've taken all the fencing down. They've been doing a lot of construction, and there's been gates and fencing, trucks going in and out. So I guess maybe they've finished. I don't know. There are still three abandoned boats here, and I talked to a guy about it, and he said, no, there's some fucker who couldn't pay the bills or whatever. Just, uh, well, not one guy, <laughs> a few people. I just left them here. You know, I guess maybe you had a car waiting. All right, just park this sucker, and uh, I'm out of here. I, for sure, they have to be able to track down the owners. But anyway, I'm not going to waste time talking about that. we got more important things to do. In the past, you've probably heard me mention, um, the people I don't trust are the people who espouse all the correct views. And I'm thinking about people who've still got a career going within the government or school system, and they want to be damn sure they are never caught tweeting something or, you know, being overheard to say something that might get them in trouble, even if inside they have an opinion that maybe goes against what is, I'll I'll say the word politically correct, and you interpret that the way you want, but may hold something that could be considered controversial or, I mean, an atheist to be an obvious one, but I'm thinking more about something that might get them in more trouble, but yeah, uh, somebody trying to work their way up through the school system, they're probably not going to come out as an atheist. Well, you're certainly not going to get hired in the Catholic system, that's for sure. 
Um, but other things about people, about attitudes, about, you know, maybe same-sex washrooms, anything. There's a whole lot of stuff out there. And I'm sort of afraid I don't want to be one of those people. First of all, I have nothing to lose now. But I think it's far better to state an opinion and then maybe have a friend correct you if it's really off base or somebody who cares, counter, a counter-argument. Um, and maybe be open to changing your opinion. But if you never release it, if you always keep it inside, nobody's going to get at it and it's not going to change and you're going to hold that. And, you know, maybe it's a racist view or something that could be changed with education, with understanding, with, with sharing. So that's why I'm sort of venturing into what I've been calling sort of some uncomfortable territory for me in conversations. Um, one of them, uh, an example I'm going to give is transgender sports. So, of course, you know, everybody's open to people changing their sex. Not everybody, of course not. But I am in terms of, well, if that's what is important. I, I still, I shudder to think about what actually happens. I can't, I don't want to picture it. If there are actual like bodily changes, I understand the hormones and taking the pills, but what goes on down below, if it's a man becoming a woman, I, I don't want to know. So, okay, but not against that. But this issue comes up from time to time about somebody who's changed from male to female and then wants to compete in sports as a female. And some people say this is outrageous. You can't do that. And you, you, there was a one particular picture that was circulating, and this, this looked like a man, and he looked tough. And boy, he's going to be hard to beat for for that muscle strength that's still there. Um, but today, on there's a, a a group that I sort of follow. It's called the Other Ninety Eight Percent, and their big thing is you know make the rich pay, you know tax the rich. And they extol all the political, like, politically correct virtues that you should have. And the one today was scolding anybody who dared to voice an opinion about uh, transgender women, like who are women now but were male before. How dare you express an opinion if in the past you weren't following women's sports and caring about women's sports. If you weren't, then you have no right to an opinion on that. That's basically what they were saying. And I, yeah, that was one of those, fuck you, Jesus. You, so this is where we're in trouble. This is where one group who holds this righteous line, it wants to tell everybody else what they're allowed to think, state, you know, what opinion they can hold or should hold or should not hold. And it almost, it's almost like subversive. It's almost like, no, no, this is some right-winger who's infiltrated the left and are pushing the left to make, out, make statements that are going to upset so many people that they'll lose support. It's just, uh, you know, that's a crazy conspiracy theory, of course, but it almost comes across like that. And but that's just an example that's that's current, but it's it strikes me as outrageous, you know. So, yeah, in general... I don't see why 
people, I mean, we're not talking washrooms here. We're talking about competitive sports, maybe where there's money involved or, or something. Maybe it's not just the money issue. Uh, but just in general, I think, no, okay, no problem. You be who you want to be, but it doesn't come with a free pass for everything. And so I, I'm just raising that, okay? It's not It's not a, uh, what do you call that, uh, the, the battlefield you want to die, the hill, it's not the hill I want to die on. Um, something else came up. Um, well, no, I'll continue along that line. Uh, an article in the New York Times sort of exploring kind of this issue. It's sort of the in-between. Do you have to have an opinion on the left or on the right, or, or are there just some areas where they're kind of still gray or people are still working on it? And, you know, if the left wants to get back in power in the United States, well, the so-called left, let's say the Democrats, they may have to loosen up on some positions. So the example they gave, and I'm quoting from the uh, article, most Americans oppose cutting police budgets. And this is, you know, what was it? Um, it wasn't just rein in the police. It was defund the police, right? And people say, hey, no, nobody, yeah, that's not a right-thinking attitude. Defund the police. We need police, okay? So that one. Uh, most Americans oppose cutting police budgets, for instance. Now, you, there may be, I, you know, again, I don't want to explain every one of these. Here I am. Many believe that allowing all transgender girls to compete in girls' sports can be unfair to other girls. Okay, bam, second one. We talked about that. Many voters, and not just white voters, think that liberals focus too much on racial identity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Most Americans feel proud of the country and its symbols, including those that some progressives, they're using the word progressives here, uh, consider racist. Like Thanksgiving. Oh, well, because, you know, oh, come on. Um, the Constitution, the flag, and George Washington. Okay, so that's all American stuff. Let's just park that. I don't know why I had to share that. Except that it it's kind of in the area of where I was going. Do you, you, do you hold views that you're unsure that you can share with your friends? Is somebody going to think badly of the Scarborough dude now? Because I've said I don't think transgender women should be able to compete in sports with other girls. I don't really care if you don't like it. So let's move on to something that is related. And um, this is Canada's Got Talent. Canada's Got Talent. Now, there's an American show, of course, Americans Got Talent. You all know that. And wow, yeah, Americans Got Talent. Lots of stuff there. Well, I knew. I just watched it. I think it just started. I don't know. Maybe it's been around a while. But I just watched my first episode the other night with my younger son. Uh, he only watched part. Um, and it's almost, it was almost predictable in terms of, again, using this uh, progressive values or politically correct. or Maybe there's a better term for that. But you could you could imagine... They sat behind the scenes before the show and decided, okay, who's going to be on and in what order, which, of course, any show would do, but to fit in so that it would get a pass on all the all the elements. And this is what my son pointed out to me um, 
then I'm talking about sometimes the difference in opinions between my two sons, and this is the son who's living with us. And I was grateful for his, uh, his you know, just almost disgust with the show. The first act was Native Dancers, and they interviewed them before, and it was three people doing a, a kind of a jig, uh, like a, a lot of jumping and dancing to uh, what I'd call Irish folk music. But they were Native people, and they were doing it in honor of their grandfather who taught them how to dance. And every performance they do everywhere is in memory of their grandfather. And, of course, that's that's going to win the hearts of everybody. But it was just, oh, that's interesting. This is Canadian, so, of course, we're going to have Native people up first doing a dance for their grandfather. And everybody, of course, has to applaud. Oh, that's wonderful. My God, whether it was a good act or a bad act didn't matter. This was symbolic of Canada. The second one um, was a woman who was handicapped uh, in the sense of literally handicapped. She had no hands, Uh, not much in the way of arms either. Um, And it it was not a pretty sight. I'm just going to say that, you know, you know. But of course, we're going to Grammy. She gets the women and the handicapped award right there, and of course, they all loved her. Now she was a comedian. It was not fucking funny. It was an insult to comedians everywhere. But hey, she had no hands. You're going to put her down. So the jokes were like, hey, the good thing about being like like I am, not having hands, nobody's going to ask me to go up and pick up you know six coffees at the nearest Starbucks. You know, she tried to make it funnier than that. And it wasn't funny, you know. What would be my wish, you know? Did I wish for hands? No, I wish everybody else didn't have hands. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, but anyway, oh, you're so brave. You're so wonderful. Courage. And it's not about being handicapped. You're a real comedian. No, she wasn't a fucking comedian. She wasn't funny. She only got on the stage because she had no hands. That you See what I'm getting at? <laughs> oh, honestly. Okay, so next. Oh, a little cute little Chinese girl. Oh, well, of course, it's multicultural Canada. Long hair, playing guitar. Probably she wrote their own, her own song about missing her papa or something. Her pop, you know, and there's her mother. Oh, is your dad with you? No, he's away on business. He has to travel. Oh, well, you know, maybe that was something there. And she played. Well, bam, didn't she get the gold buzzer? This is if it's an automatic shoe into the finals. My God, this girl, the talent of this little girl on stage. How cute with her long black hair and her little Chinese face. Oh, yeah, she's a winner. My son pointing out, was there really a competition with other people who were maybe better singers, better composers? No, 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 but they did. She fit the bill. This is the point, folks. She fit the bill. All right, all right. You get it. You get where I'm going, right? That went on from uh, dancers from Indian heritage, and I'm not talking about cowboys and Indians, Indian heritage. I'm talking about from India, who, you know, an ensemble of a whole bunch of them filling the stage in costumes, doing this amazing dance. Uh, and, you know, whoa, wow, wow, and you've preserved the culture and the tradition. Oh, so here's another good sign for multiculturalism and how wonderful Canada is to be open to all these people and all these things, and, of course, that's Canada. Um, Next, of course, can you guess? Who's missing? 
If you said French Canadian, you're right. We're missing a French Canadian. Whoa! We got a fiddler up. Well, hey, you can't be just fiddling. You got to be able to balance step ladders on your face, you know. So he did that. He balanced step ladders on his face and played the fiddle. Quite, quite good. I mean, hey, that was talent. Uh, strange talent, but that was talent. But that's just kind of where we're going at, right? And it was this fake representation. It was just so staged. It was so fitting for these times. You know, and I'm not saying, hey, let's bring back white performers, you know, and that doesn't mean French Canadians aren't white. (laughs) Can of worms, right? Anyway, I just, I had to share that with you because it it was, God, never, it's a stupid fucking show. There's only one guy who was famous. What's his name? You know, the guy doesn't like to touch people or shake hands with anybody. Uh, he's big in the States. He's Canadian, bald head. Anyway, I just stunk to high heaven. So that's the the pathetic Canada to me. But anyway, I, I don't know how you fix it. No, you just don't watch it. Maybe some people at home thought, wow, isn't this wonderful? You know, isn't that isn't that great? Look at Canada. Gee, they do everything right. <laughs> All right, so I think that's about it. Um, I wanted to give you a recommendation, and that is for uh, Wild Wild Country. I may have talked about this in the past. I watched it long ago, and then I didn't finish the series, and I forgot about it on Netflix, Wild Wild Country. And this was about the Rajneesh Commune in Oregon, the guy who had 92 Rolls Royces, like believed money, was had this whole... I did a little research. He was a professor. He was a professor in India. And uh, just people found out. It's kind of interesting and outspoken. And he started doing lectures. And next thing you know, they're getting paid and people want to see him. Then he becomes a guru. Uh, Gosh, I forget what his final name was. Anyway, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, 1931 to 1990. Sorry, that might be a spoiler. He's dead. Uh, but anyway, it was quite a story of that whole, what amazed me was how you can start a group. Like, you know, I had his, his followers, I forget what they were called, you know, wearing red robes. And as it grew and they got to make money, they get to the point where they can build an entire village in this rural, you know, in the interior of Oregon, like we're talking like really well-built housing. Uh, there's a clinic, there's stores, there's everything. They got doctors, they got nurses, they got carpenters, electricians, plumbers. They got everybody. It's a self-sustaining community that's making $15, $20 million. No, $120 million a year. They sell services. They do all kinds of things. They took over a town. They took over a fucking town and renamed it by bringing in people from other cities who were street people, registered them as voters in Oregon, and then took over a town and renamed it. The townspeople were just fucking freaked out. So I've given away the whole story. Well, hey, it happened a long time ago. You should have known about it anyway. But wow, it is really worth watching from start to finish. So there we go. Um, I'm going to finish off there. This is just kind of an oddball um, podcast. I wanted to share some stuff. I, I'd be welcome any kind of feedback. Of course, I don't, I don't expect any, you know, maybe other people. Dude, I'm with you, man. I don't like transgender sports. 
You don't have to sound like that. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Or do you? Maybe you don't. I don't know. I just needed to vent a little, and uh, there we are. I think I just, what I really need to do is just come a little more clean. And again, it's it's all, the key to all this is listening to two sons who are quite different in their values and opinions and finding out, okay, where, you know, there's the, the me who presents this set of values, and then there's maybe the me who has maybe another set of real true feelings or beliefs. Maybe they're not the same. Maybe they don't match up, and I want them to match up. I want to be open to, well, what do I really think about this? Scarborough Dude, signing out from Bluffers Park. Bye for now. Hope you're all well.